Good morning, church. How are we doing? Good. Hey, um, it's quite funny about the shirt, actually. Um, I, I bought the shirt in Wellington, and I took it, took it home, put it on, gave it a display to all the kids. I said, kids, do you like my pink shirt? And they all quickly informed me, no, Dad, it's not pink, it's purple. So um, I'm not sure. If, uh, oh, I just need a, a consensus of opinion here today. If, if you think I'm wearing a pink shirt, please put your hands up. If you think purple, put your hand up. Oh, my kids are right. Oh, that's not, that's not good. But that's all right, that's all right. I just, I just want to thank the worship team again this morning. Oops, almost down the stairs, but that's okay, I'm still standing. Um, well, so when that, I was out on the kids' program first thing this morning, we had all sorts of problems going on out there. We had a, a worship song that wasn't available and wasn't moving from the computer onto the iPod, and we, had, um, we lost one of our power circuits out there, so our, our, um, our, our PowerPoints were down, and one of our TVs were down, and, and one of our object lessons were down. And so I'm scrambling out there, and then, then <laughs> I get the tap on the shoulder, it's 10 past 10, but we need to get out in the service. I'd, I'd lost track of time. But just being able to come out here and sort of have everything going on inside, but being able to come into the presence of God with, with what the worship team, what they, they are able to lead us into, we are truly blessed in this place. And it's something we, should, we shouldn't forget. It's something that we need to value, we need to appreciate. And so let's just give a clap for the worship team this morning, because they're, they're great. Susan and everyone else, we just appreciate you guys. We appreciate you guys. So I want to pick up on, um, quite timely, I think God's honor actually, but I want to pick up on a message that Pastor Mike shared uh, a couple of weeks ago, not last Sunday, which was Easter, but the Sunday before where he spoke about the power of God's word. And so we, um, Pastor Sarge has been up here this morning, and um, we're, as a church, we're going into this 40 days in the Word, which is something that I'd encourage each one of us to consider how we could be involved in that. You know, it's, it's very easy to think of reasons why we can't do something, why we'd like to stay within our normal routine and stay where it's comfortable, but if we, uh, if we are serious about growing in God, we're serious about walking in the fullness of God, sometimes we need to make decisions, which might mean a sacrifice or two at the onset, but there's blessing that comes down the track. So I just encourage us as a church to consider how we would how um, we could get involved in that, but my message this morning is titled "Occupying the Promises of God in Our Life." You know, so um, and it's just basically take it, again looking at the Word, how it can apply to our life, how we can use God's Word, and just taking a, I guess a slightly different angle from that. So, if you've got your Bibles there, I'd love you to turn to the book of Second Peter, chapter one. Verses 3 and 4, I'm particularly heading for verse 4, but we'll just read a, maybe the first, first sentence of verse 3. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, I've just picked out a version that sort of works well for me this morning. So it just says this, by His, being God's, by God's divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. And then jumping into verse 4, it says, And because of His, because of God's glory and excellence, He has given us exceedingly great. I need everyone this morning to say exceedingly great. You know, that was good. Just, you have to excuse me, I'm used to being out of the kids. So when, when I ask the kids something, if they're, not, if they're not loud enough, I'll get them to say it again, um, because I just need to feel the energy. So I'd love everyone here to say exceedingly great this morning. Hey, that's getting better. I like that. That's very good. So back to verse 4. It says, it says, I'll just start it again. I got sidetracked, but it's okay. We're all good. It says, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us exceedingly great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you or enable us to become partakers in his divine nature. 
You know, the God that we serve is a great God. He is an awesome God. There is no one in heaven or earth that compares to him. And he is a, is a God who was a great giver. You know, the Bible tells us, and we know how he gave us his son. He, he gave us his son, Jesus. And there's a verse, and I think it's Romans 8.32. It said, if the God gave up his son and did not withhold him from us, how much more will he not withhold all things? Or, or how much more will he freely give us all things with him? And so he gave us his son. And through his son, he gave us the gift of salvation. And, and, and so the Bible says that, that, um, that you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So he gave us salvation. He also gave us the Holy Spirit who dwells within us and lives within us, who guides us, teaches us, who fills us and strengthens us. But wait, because there is more, because in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, it says that he has also given us these exceedingly great, not just great, but exceedingly great and precious promises. And through these promises, we, are, we, are, we have the ability or we're able to be partakers, or another version says, to share in God's divine nature. So reading that this morning, there's like two questions, or even when I was reading it the other week, there were two questions that came to mind. One, what promises is it referring to? And two, what does it mean to, par- uh, to partake in the divine nature of God? So, they're good questions. And, um, and, and so I, I just, I, I'll just basically just touch on each one of them. So, we know that our Bible... A Bible was made up of a, of a, of a number of books. Yeah, there's, there's 66 books. And in those books, there's a whole lot of, of different sort of, of types of books. There's, there's stories of real people who lived, and, and there's a historical account of things that happened in the past. There's also other areas of, of where there's songs and there's poems, and there's, there's, there's also things where there's just, just random sayings, sayings of wisdom and spiritual, and, and, and random sayings of spiritual truth. There's also prophecy uh, of things that, that, that came to pass sometime after those, those prophecies were given, and also prophecies of, um, of things that are yet to happen. However, scattered right throughout all of those books are all these promises that God has given to us. And so according to, to Second Peter, we have the ability through those promises to partake in his nature, in his divine nature. So, I was thinking to myself, I was thinking, well, I wonder how many promises there are in the Bible. Oh, just a random thought, and I thought, well, I get interested in this sort of stuff. And this is probably, what, Pastor Lynn, why I spend so long sometimes. I get interested, and I jump on, and, and I start to look at this, and I start to look at that, and I thought, oh, man, that's interesting, and I carry on down, and all, all, all of a sudden, the whole day's gone, and I haven't got too far forward, but, you know, that's just the way I go. That's how we roll sometimes. So, um, I was looking, and back in 1956, Time Magazine wrote this article on this guy called Everett R. Storm. Now, Everett R. Storm, he was a Canadian school teacher, and he was obviously a Bible scholar because it said that he'd read his Bible from cover to cover 26 times. And he, he made this decision to go through his Bible again a 27th time and to, to count up the number of promises that are in the Bible. And he categorized these promises, but one of the, and so promises like from, from, a man, from one man to God, from, from angels, or a man to angels, but also there was this category, there was this category of promises from God to man. And so he counted up that throughout the Bible that there were 7,487 promises in the Bible from God to man. 7,487 promises. So it would be fair to say that in the Bible, that there are not only hundreds, but there are literally thousands and thousands of promises that God has given to us in his word. 
You know, and there might be some people here, you might be here thinking, well, you know, that's great. The Bible was written a long time ago. It, you know, it was written for people who died a long time ago. So how is that relevant to me? You know, I just, I just like to answer that thought with a couple of scriptures. Second Peter, chapter three. Uh, Second Timothy, I should say, chapter three, verse sixteen, says this. It says that all scripture is God breathed, and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So all scripture is God breathed. So that, you know, so basically, to me, it's telling me that God has breathed on His scripture. And in many ways, when I was reading that and thinking about that, I thought the image that came to my mind was when God created Adam in the book of Genesis. And what happened was that God created Adam. At that stage, he wasn't a living being. Then God breathed into Adam. He breathed into Adam. And what happened? There was an impartation of God's spirit into Adam. And then Adam became a living being. Life was imparted into Adam. And so in the same way, the Bible says that all scripture is God-breathed that God has breathed on his scripture. And so to me, that would mean that God's word would actually carry life and it would carry his presence in it. And so in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says that God's word is alive and active. Or another version says that God's word is living and full of power. So my, my response to that thought about God's word today is that if God's word is alive today, if it's alive, it's full of power, God's presence is in it, then it's relevant to me today and has application to my life today. That means it's relevant to you guys today and it has application to all of our lives today. All of our lives today. So, inside, and inside that are these exceedingly great and precious promises And, and, the, and, the, and Second Peter tells me that it's through those promises that I can connect and become or, or, or participate in God's divine nature. So what does it mean? Second question, what does it mean to participate in God's divine nature? So I, um, you know, in the Bible, what happens is, is that God, it's one thing that interests me about God is that what he does is he come and he, he um, many times he, he revealed himself to man, but he never fully revealed himself. He always just reveals a small part of himself. And so every person that, that had an encounter with God, what happened was they just, they just saw a slight angle, a slight measure, a slight part of God. They never saw the full picture. But even in that, God would often re- reveal himself by uh, ascribing names to himself. And so we could go on the internet today and we could look up, um, we could Google something like all the names of God and there would be thousands and thousands and thousands of sites that list all these different names. But, you know, there are a number of names that God... God, what God does, I'm just thinking about those kids. They're so loud out there, aren't they? You guys have to put up with us every morning? I'm just thinking, man, if I was, if I was out there, it would probably be louder still. <laughs> so I feel for the preachers past a little on Sunday mornings. But, you know, there, in the Bible, there are, um, there are a number of times where God reveals, um, portrays himself or, or shows himself to people through, through these um, self-revealing redemptive names. Self-revealing in the fact that they actually draw back a curtain and, 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 and display or, or show a part of God's divine nature. And redemptive in the fact that these names actually point to something that Jesus Christ accomplished at Calvary. So just to give you a feel, I'll just throw a couple out, just to give us a feel, because it's, just, it's, it's important and it helps, it's helpful to sort of look at these and see these because it gives us a feel of what it means to participate in God's divine nature. So in Judges chapter 6, God appears, appears to Gideon 
as Jehovah Shalom, meaning the Lord is peace. You see, our God is a God of peace. He never worries. He never stresses out. But he's always at peace. And, he, and, and his divine nature is a nature of peace. And he has the ability to impart peace to his people. He has the ability to part, impart peace to us. There's another, another verse in the Bible in, um, I'm going to get it right, in Genesis chapter 22, where God reveals himself to Abraham. And we're all, we're all, most of us would have heard this one, it's Jehovah Jireh, meaning the Lord will, the Lord will, just seeing just a little wake out there, that's great, the Lord will provide. And so in that, part of God's divine nature is that God is a God of super abundance. He is a, he is a God of extravagance. He is a God who, um, who has, there's no lack There's no shortage. There's no lack or shortage in heaven. He is the God who is able to supernaturally provide for his people. Part of God's nature is not only that he's a God of peace, but but also he's a God who who has supernatural abundance, supernatural provision. So there's, there's two parts of God's divine nature. A third part is found in Exodus chapter 15, where God revealed himself to the people of Israel as they came out of the Red Sea. They went through the Red Sea. They came to this place where the waters were all bitter. And God revealed himself there as Jehovah Rapha, meaning the Lord, our healer. So part of God's nature has to do with his healing thing. God is a God of radiant health. There's no sickness, no disease in our God. Now, our God by nature by divine nature, is a healer, and he imparts healing to his people. And just, just because um, I love this so much, I'll just throw a fourth one in there, and these are just four of, of, of a number. They're scattered throughout Scripture. In, uh, in Je- uh, Jeremiah chapter 23, God revealed himself to Jeremiah as Jehovah Sidkenu, meaning the Lord, our righteousness. The God we serve, he's a great God. Not only is he a God of peace, not only is he a God who provides and a God of superabundance, not only is he a God who is able to, to um, a God of health who's able to impart healing, but he's also a God of righteousness. He is a God who is holy. There is nothing unholy in him. There is no sin in him. And, you know, because he's righteous, because of his righteousness and because of that part of his nature, he has the ability uh, through that and through what Jesus accomplished at the cross of Calvary to come into our lives to remove all sin, to remove all shame, and to impart righteousness to his people. The Bible talks about it being a righteousness that comes by faith. But God has the ability to, to the things that we, would struggle and, and try and take us down, God has the ability to remove that and, and to impart righteousness into our life. In, in, um, in the book of, uh, I'll, I'll get it right, actually, I, I think it's Colossians, but I could be wrong, Colossians 1, I think, it talks about it is God's will to present us to himself wholly and blameless, without blemish, and free from accusation. You know, I love that verse, and that's a verse that I declare over myself a lot of time. When the devil would come to accuse me, and, and things may not have gone so well, and I've, I've yelled at the kids, or I've kicked the cat, or whatever I've done, and I feel bad, or I feel I'm a bad person, I, I remember that, that God presents me holy and blameless in His sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. So, all parts of God's divine nature. 1 Peter Chapter, oh, sorry, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, when we, we, I read at the start. It says that somehow through the promises of God, I have the ability to partake in the divine nature of God. I have the ability to share it. I have the ability somehow 
Somehow to be able to, through God's promises, somehow by using God's promises, I have the ability to, to take from, from God or part of his nature, take it for myself, put it on, and effectively make it part of me. So the same God that is a God of peace, if I'm someone who stresses and worries out, I have the ability through the Word of God to go into the Word, to, to access the divine nature of God, and to take that thing, put it on, and make it part of me. If I'm someone who, who's struggling in the area of finances, I have the ability to stand on the Word of God, take the promises of God, and, and have the ability to, to um, engage, to, to access, to, to, to take hold of, lay hand of, lay hold of, I'll get that right, the supernatural abundant provision of God. And by faith through His Word, take it, put it on, and begin through, somehow through God's Word to apply it to my life and walk in it. Even though I might not see it, I've got the ability to walk in it. God's Word says that. Through His promises, I have the ability to partake in His divine nature. I love so much the last prayer meeting. I just just take a temporary break from my message here this morning. If you uh, if you're at all available, I encourage you to come to the prayer meeting tonight. I love the prayer meeting last week. I was so encouraged. We stood here. We we stood on God's word. We prayed. We believed. People came forward for jobs. People came forward for a financial breakthrough. And I just love hearing the stories. And the week or two afterwards, I heard of two people, and I think Pastor Lim probably the same two that you were talking about. I heard of two people who who had got jobs. And in one case, where there was no seemed to be no obvious possibility of job, where all the doors had closed, but somehow miraculously the doors opened up. And um, and what happened was is that is that supernaturally God's God's moved. Through the word, through by standing on the word in faith, and those doors opened up. That person, if I want to just use that, just sort of move it into my, my, my um, what I'm sharing this morning, stood on the word of God, we stood with them, and, and we became a partaker of the divine nature of God. So, anyway. Pastor Mike said, Vaughan, it's always good to share points. And so you share points in your message, and then people can remember what you said. And so I missed my first point, but I'll just share it now before I move on to my second point. <laughs> just got to bear with me. And, and so just don't tell Pastor Mike I missed my first point. He, he, he want to sit down and have a quiet chat with me, but no, it's, it's all good to just, just, just messing with you. So anyway, my first point, just if you're writing notes, is that the promises of God enable us to share the divine nature of God. The promises of God enable us to share and the divine nature of God. And I know you all picked that up because I, I did it so well, but no. um, moving on. <laughs> the second point, and it's really only a two-point message this morning. The second point is, is that we need to occupy the promises of God. We need to occupy the promises of God. Now, I love the story of the Israelites and the Israelites who found themselves as slaves and captives in this foreign place called Egypt, being oppressed, and how God raised up Moses and God in his love and his compassion for his people reached down and brought his people literally out of Egypt, took them into the desert. And through their own disobedience, they spent a bit longer in the desert than what God had intended, 40 years in the desert. But eventually, they went from the desert into their promised land. And so in the desert, there was a, it was just a total place of lack. Now, there was just, just shortages of everything. There, just, there was nothing there. And so they only survived through God's miraculous provision, through manna coming down from heaven, through these quails falling out of the sky from God. And so and that's really how they survived. And then they went into this place, the, the promised land, which was described as a land flowing with milk and honey. 
And you can imagine what this lamb was. They sent spies into the land some years before, and they came back carrying on the stick. Two of them, um, all, some of the produce, the fruit from the land, it was so, so big that they needed two people to carry it. And so it was a land full of great produce. And so also there were people who were living in the land, so there were established farms, established orchards, it was, and there were even established structures and shelters. And so, and so you could just imagine them moving into that place. It, was, it would have been well irrigated from this dry, hot um, desert with nothing, no life in it, into this place with just grass they could roll in, play with their kids in the grass, and, and, just, and all sorts of great stuff. So would it, just imagine how great it would have been moving out of the desert into their promised land. You know, for us, as the people of God today, we have our promised land too. And our promised land is tied up in the promises of God. In the same way, that was God's will for his people to move into and occupy the promised land of their time. It's God's will for each of us to move into our promised land, the promises of God. And rather than being a people that would live outside the promises of God and be a people who would, who would um, live maybe contrary to what God's word would say, but uh, it's God's will for us to begin to move into the promises of God and to experience the richness and the blessing that comes with living in the will of God. You know, in the same way, you can just imagine how great life must have become for, the, for the, the, the Israelites moving out of that dry, dusty desert with no life into this great promised land. You know, just building creeks running, streams running through, well-watered, irrigated, all that sort of stuff. You imagine how much better life would have been. How much more for us, moving from a place, from areas in our life where we would live outside the promises of God, coming in line with the promises of God. How much better would our lives be? How much richer would our lives be by doing that? So I want to um, bring this down and make it practical and relevant for us today. Now, I'm sort of speaking up here a bit. And so I just, um, how do we do that? How do we do it? I mean, Pastor Mike shared last week on, on uh, two weeks ago, sorry, on how we respond to God's word. If you didn't hear that message, it was a great message. And I'd encourage you to get it. Just ways we can respond to God's word. And so, um, just two things, two points I want to share this morning as to how we do that. And then, then I'm, I'll be pretty much done, actually. Two points I want to share. Point number one, how do we occupy the promises of God? Point number one is we need, we need to identify, actually, I'll, I'll say this in two ways. I'll say it first way, then I'll say it the way I've got it written. Point number one is we need to know what the promises are. We need to know the prom- God. We need to know what the promises are for us at this time. The promises that are relevant for us. And so, the way I've written it, I've written it this way: is that we need to identify what God is saying in our current situation. You know, I shared before that there were seven thousand four hundred and eighty-seven thousand promises that Everett R. Storm had had, calcul- had added up in the Bible, or summed up. You know, and, and if we went through and tried to identify each of those promises, if I did that, I'd probably, I'd probably die. <laughs> to go through and do that one by one, but I'd probably find it quite hard because it just would be so hard. But what, what I need to know is what is God saying to me at this time? What, what promises are relevant to me at this time? You know, the, the promises of God, what happens is that, is that they, um, the, the, they're all relevant to us in time and season. You know, but we need, we need to have, we need to know what promises are relevant for us at this time. If I'm struggling in the area of finances, then, then I don't want to go and spend time um, looking at scriptures about, talking about um, something else in a different area. So I need to know, so, so how do we do that? Well, you know, there, there are a number of ways of doing it. We can ask a leader. 
We could look up in the index of our Bible and the subject index. We could even um, go on Google and look at Google. And, and they're all good things and they're great things to do and they're things that I do. And so I just sometimes I type in promises of God and, and there's just things that just come up and I just read, run through. And, and what happens is just one, often one or two that are just really relevant for me. But in reality, in all of that, what we need is we need the work of the Holy Spirit. We need the work of the Holy Spirit. For myself, I find myself, often I'll get the Bible, my Bible out. And often I do it when I'm praying. And I'm praying in tongues, and I'm getting God's Bible out, and I start reading. And I start reading, and, and I, sometimes I just, I, I try and be very spiritual about it, and I ask God, God, well, what scripture should I turn to? What verse? What chapter? What book? And, um, and I'll go somewhere to a book. And sometimes I feel very spiritual because the book exists. Other times I feel very unspiritual because I go to a book. I might go to, um, I might go to Genesis chapter 45. It might be a bad example. And there's only like 43 chapters in there. So sometimes I'm spiritual, sometimes I'm not. But it doesn't really matter. I, so I find a starting point and I start to read. And I begin to go through and I read through. And I'm just saying, God, I need, I need you to speak to me. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me at this time? And, and, you know, and, then, and then what happens what happens is I do that. It might not happen that day, but I'll continue to do it in faith. I'll continue to do it. God, I need to hear from you. God, what are you saying to me at, time, at this time? What is relevant for me? And what happens is I begin to read, and all of a sudden there's a verse that seems illuminated to me. There's a, as I read it, there's a verse in there that, um, that, that begins to speak to me. Something just, something quick. No, I'm, I'm spitting. Sorry. Uh, I just want the least. Sorry about that, Brian. Yeah, it's all, it's all good. There's a verse that speaks to me. And, and what happens is something quickens inside, and I know that God's on it. And so I begin to get that verse, and, I, and that verse is for me. And then I begin to, to use that verse. And, and, that, and that verse is often, a, in that there's a promise, and I begin to stand on the promise. That takes me to my, 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 my second point. Or second, so, so my second point, the whole thing is we need to occupy the promises of God. How do we do that? One is we need to know what God is saying to us at this time. What promises are relevant to us at this time? Now, each, of us at this, each of us today here right now, you know, we'll be, there'll be some here who've got, who've got problems that we're trying to deal with. Others will be facing challenges, maybe difficulties, maybe pressures. You know, it's not God's will for us to, do, to uh, tackle those by ourselves. Yeah, but, but God comes to help us, and one way, a key way he comes to help us is through his word. And it's all a question of what we do with his word, how we use his word. So, uh, and, and so how we do that, how we occupy his promises, one is we need to identify what God is saying in our current situation. Now, there was this, there was just, just to throw a story in a little bit, um, I was reading, I was reading um, uh, uh, online, and it was talking about the U.S. government. And so what happens is the U.S. government often publishes in, in papers throughout America long lists of people's names as they, try and, and as they try and find the owners of unclaimed property. And often this unclaimed property is stuff like old, inactive bank accounts. Often it's, it's stuff like uh, maybe old life insurance policies. But, and, so, but, and, and often, uh, sometimes it can be large amounts sometimes small amounts, but, but all, all sort of different levels of wealth that are unclaimed. And so what they're doing is, by publishing these names is that they are trying to notify the people of what they possess so they can come and claim it. It would probably be true to say that, that throughout the world there would be, there'd be many promises, probably be thousands and thousands of promises that often go unclaimed by Christians in their life. Because they don't realize, because they don't know the promises, they don't realize what we possess in God. 
And because they don't realize what we possess in God, they don't know to stand up and, and to claim it or stand up and fight for it, stand up and, hold, and lay, lay hold of it. I thought that was a good story. I have a good parallel, so I thought I'd throw it in there. Um, you know, and, and so just, okay, how do we claim the promises of God? One, one is, is that we need to know what God's saying. And, and this second one here is, is something that's become a huge part of my life is that once we know what, what promises apply to our situation, once we know what promises that, that God has given us, what areas of the world He's speaking to us in, is that we need to take those things. We need to begin, as God's people, to begin to pick those things up, and we need to begin to speak them out and declare them. We need to begin to speak them out and declare them. You know, the, um, the Bible talks about the whole area of faith. And it says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. It also says that, that if, if anyone doubts, they're like a wave of the sea tossed about by the wind. And that person who doubts should not really expect to receive anything from God. God loves faith, but where there's doubt, what happens is, is that, that that person becomes wishy-washy. And they find themselves not receiving much at all. What does the Bible say about faith? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of? Hearing by the word of? God. Great. I'm just, sorry, it's just this whole kids thing. But it's interesting, it's interesting that the Bible says that faith doesn't come by reading the word of God. Faith doesn't come by reading the word of God. It comes by hearing the word of God. And so I love reading the word of God. Don't get me wrong, I love reading the word of God, and, and, and things change in my life as I begin to read the word of God. That's a great thing to do. However, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So we can come to church on a Sunday, we can hear, we can hear whoever's preaching for the morning, we can hear the Word of God, and faith will rise in our hearts, and, and, um, and we change because faith begins to grow. We can maybe sit there at home and watch, watch a, 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 some sort of preacher on TV, and we're hearing the Word of God, and faith begins to rise in our hearts. If you're like me, and you go running, sometimes I download different podcasts from different preachers, and I listen, and as I listen, faith begins to rise in my heart. But I tell you, the area that faith rises the most is when I myself, my own lips, begin to take God's word and I begin to speak it out over my life. And I begin to speak it and declare it until I start to think it, until I start to feel it. See, what what happens is when I begin to speak the word of God, my ears are hearing it. And as I speak it, something is shifting on the inside. Not only is the spirit world beginning to sit up and take notice around my life, but what's happening is, is that my ears are hearing it and something is shifting, something is changing on the inside. I remember a time I used to have this massive difficulty of fear of failure. And so what would happen was that whenever something came, a challenge came before me or an opportunity, I would often shy away from it because of the risk that I wasn't going to work out, that I was going to fail. And so it was bound up in this whole, in a whole fear thing and rejection thing. And so what would happen, it used to hit me, hit me like at university. I had this massive fear I was going to fail my papers at university. And I ended up getting pretty much, I got A pluses. I got A pluses and a couple of A's. And I got one B plus and the rest were A's. But I had this terrible fear I was going to fail my papers at university. So I was driven. I went into my, a number of jobs. There was one job I remember. I was terribly fearful that I wasn't going to, to, meet, uh, to cut it in that job. And I would go to work with this dread on my life every day. And I just couldn't live with it anymore. And I, I, I reckon I was heading, I was probably heading for a breakdown, just the pressure I used to be under every day. But I found something in the Word of God. I found that there are words of God that says that God is for me, who can be against me? There's another word that says that, that I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. There's another word that says I am an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. So I begin to get these words, and I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. 
So I begin to to get these words, and I begin to go into my place of prayer. And I begin not only just to say, God, can you give me this? God, can you give me that? I begin to say, God, I thank you that your word says this. Probably need a drink. (laughs) God, I thank you that your word says this. God, I thank you that your word says that. And I'm telling you what, something shifted in my life. It shifted inside me before my circumstances outside began to change. It shifted inside of me. I was still in the same situation. The same risks were still there. But there was an inner confidence called faith that rose and grew in my life. And I began to have confidence that if God was with me, then who can be against me? I began to have confidence. And I began, I just knew. I knew beyond, uh, beyond uh, any sort of doubt that if God was, was with me, who, who could be against me, that I could do all things through him because he was strengthening me. So this morning... This morning, just this morning, I, I just want to ask a couple of questions. I want to ask a couple of questions. What place does the Word of God have in our life? What place does the Word of God have in our life? What value do we place on it? What priority do we give it? You see, it's through the Word of God and the promises that are in the Word of God that we have the ability to access the divine nature of God, but just the things that flow out of the divine nature of God, everything that we need. Because God is a God. He he didn't withhold his own son. And if he he didn't withhold his son, how much more with his son will he freely give us all things? So there's things that access through faith. To, To live as a people of faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We not only need to be hearing from what people are saying about the word of God, but we need to be speaking and declaring what the Word of God, what the Holy Spirit is saying to us in the Word, what the Word of God means for us. How much do we value the Word of God here today? Sometimes it's easy just to underestimate the impact that the Word of God can have in our life. I share this message this morning not because of what Pastor Mike shared two weeks ago, not because of this program that's coming up 40 days in the Word. Pastor Lynn asked me to share a message, asked me to speak this morning, and I told her what I was going to speak. It was a completely different topic. But I, I just felt the hand of God sort of... What happened was I was preparing that message, and I hit 1 Peter chapter 2, chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. 2 Peter chapter 1, one yes. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. I hit that, and something quickened in my spirit. And, and just out of that, sort of this message this morning sort of evolved. I felt God was on it. God is speaking to us this morning as a church. He knows the power and the impact His Word can have in our life as we as a people begin to embrace that Word and begin to, to take hold of that Word, begin to hold it close, apply it to our life, and begin to stand on it, declare it, live it. Just the second question as I finish. What is God wanting to say about your current situation today? What is God wanting to say about your current situation? What is he saying? What promises has he given in his word that you need to stand on at this time? What promises has he given in his word that you need to stand, we need to stand on at this time? It was a third question. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? I just say that now. 
That's, that's just a personal one for each of us personally. Sometimes it's, we can come into the presence of God. I'm just believing that as I share this morning that God's Spirit is speaking to our hearts this morning. And He'll be speaking a different message to each one of us. Same sort of message, but a different message to us personally. So when we're in this place, we make the decision, what do we do? How do we respond to what God is saying? How do we respond to the word? But like Pastor Mike shared two weeks ago. Just as we come to finish, I'd just love us to just to close our eyes, bow our heads now. Just, just as we pray, let's just pray together. Father, I just thank you today. I thank you today, Lord, that you are a God who is, who is a gracious and compassionate God, a God who is a great giver. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for the provision, the provision, Lord, that you have made for our lives, the provision, Lord, to provide all that we need. We just pray today that as a church, Lord, that we would not be a church, Father, that, that just are hearers of the word, Father, but we become doers of the word. We become to not just sit here and, and let our ears be tickled and have a, a fancy message, Lord, but we take on board what you're saying to us at this time. And we begin to take that word and we begin to use it over our lives. I pray, let faith arise in this church. Let faith arise in the hearts of the people, that we will be a people that would pursue your word, that guard your word jealously, and it will be people who would hunger after your word. This morning, just as we come to finish, I just want to ask, what, I'll, what, what we'll do is, I just, just while everyone's eyes are closed, I just want to put an offer out today for anyone who's never made a decision to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, never made a decision to be a Christian. If you're in the room today, and that's you, today would be a great day to make that decision. Today would be a great day to say, yes, I want to come into the kingdom of God. You know, there's no better place to be than being in the will of God. No better place to be than to say yes to Jesus and to become a follower of Him. If that's you this morning, while every eye is closed, I would love you just to put your hand up and just, and just show me today, just so I can see you. If you're here and you never made a decision to receive Christ, I'd love you to put your hand up today. Just, just, just so I can see. Father, we just thank you today for your love. Thank you, Lord, today. What we're going to do, just as we come to finish now, we're going to flow into one last song. I just feel to just open the altar up this morning. And if there's anyone, anyone here who, um, just as we, as we flow into the last song, anyone here who, who would just need prayer, need a leader to come and stand with you and pray with you this morning? Maybe, maybe there's certain things that you're believing for and, and, um, and, and when we've spoken about going to God's word for that, but it does help when sometimes when, when people stand and pray as well. So we're going to open the altar up this morning.